Folks, if you're liking what you're getting from 30MPC, the number one way you can support us is by subscribing to our newsletter. Every week, you only get two emails. On Monday, you get a content roll-up of everything that dropped last week. And on Fridays, I pick one topic and I personally write a deep dive on things like how to cold call, how to run a discovery call, or even how to hire an AE. So if you're liking what you're getting here, take two seconds, go to the show notes. You'll see a button to subscribe to our newsletter, or you can go to 30mpc.com backslash newsletter and do it there. We'll catch you soon. Cheers. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to this episode of 30 Minutes to President's Club. My name is Armand Farouk, and I'm here with my co-host, Nick Sigelski. And today, as promised, it is part two of our first ever two-part series with the legendary KD. If you haven't listened to part one, we would really recommend going back to the previous episode and listening to that first because it was really freaking good, and it was all about discovery, and now this one is everything right after that discovery call. And so, Nick, why should people listen? The pacing and the psychology of selling to a champion versus selling to an exec has some critical differences. And so if you want to learn the psychology of asking your champion to get intro to power and learn some of the nuances around pacing of your conversation and of your presentation with an executive versus a champion, this one is a critical one to follow. And as a reminder, also, as a gift, Katie has given us for free his Did I Manifesto, which is a checklist you can use to keep yourself on track, making sure that you're doing the right activities that lead to a productive week as a rep. And all this is as part of his launch of his sales leadership course as well, which you should check out. And a three, a two, a one, it's part two. Today's tip to optimize your sales day is brought to you by Boomerang. If you get an email and the action required on that email is going to take you less than two minutes to do, do it on the spot. It's not worth adding it to your to-do list, having to look at the item, remember what you need to do. That's going to take you more than two minutes anyway. So do it on the spot, get it off your plate. Now we documented our best templates and tips to help you optimize your sales day with our friends at Boomerang. And you can get that documentation for free at the link in the show notes. This week's actionable prospecting tactic is from Sixth Sense, who shows you the prospects who are most likely to buy so you can get more meetings with fewer activities. Personalizing cold emails requires you to only change the first paragraph in a trigger template. All you have to do is tie the research to the problem you solve in paragraph one, and then switch that out while you leave paragraphs two and three, your solution and call to action, exactly the same. And so we are giving you six of these trigger templates with our partners at Sixth Sense. The link is in the show notes. Today's show is brought to you by Exactly Forecasting, which is a flexible sales forecasting solution that uses AI and data to help you call an accurate sales forecast. Gartner says over half of sales leaders don't have high confidence in their forecast. One way we recommend to improve your forecast is to align as a team on explicit attributes that must be true in order to deem a deal forecastable. That way your forecast will get clearer and the team will know where to focus efforts. We put together a forecasting 101 guide with our friends at Exactly. Get it for free in the show notes. Today's prospecting tip is brought to you by Woodpecker. When you're sending a sales email, you generally want to avoid putting punctuation in the subject line. If you've got an exclamation point, it makes it seem like you're shouting at them. Look at this amazing offer. And a question mark just smells salesy. So avoid punctuation. Now, if you want to steal my full sales cadence from my friends at Woodpecker, there's a link in the show notes for you to go get it and try it for free. Today's tactic to triple your connect rate is brought to you by RocketReach, who provides data that lets you reach out to the right person at the right account at the right time. 
every time you're reaching out to an account, pull down the contacts again. Yes, I know it sucks, but the average tech tenure is two years, which means 50% of the workforce turns over every year. So look up the account, pull anyone who was hired, and scratch anyone who was left. And one way you can pull verified and accurate data is with Rocket Reach. So if you like this, check out their toolkit on eight ways to triple your cold call connects in the show notes. I want to talk about, Katie, if we go to the end of the demo, my guess is you have some version of, I think this might make sense, at the end, once you've actually shown them how you can solve a problem. It's probably something along the lines of, what do you think, et cetera. So before you actually make the ask to go to power, get this thing approved, how do you tie a bow on the demo and get actual feedback? So, Armand, before we even talk next steps, I mean, what do you think? Do you think this will solve XYZ problem a little bit better than what you're doing right now? Because if not, we don't even need to talk next steps. Yeah, Katie, I think I, I like what you saw. I, I naturally have a couple more questions and, you know, I want to run this by a couple folks on my team. But from the initial demo that we went through today, it looks it looks pretty good. What stood out to you the most? Like, what do you think will work best for your team? Yeah, I mean, you know, we've had a lot of issues editing the podcast. And so I spend a ton of time doing that. And I know the team is asking me to do other things. And I say that I can't do those things unless I get this off my plate. So I really like that. And it makes it seem like you guys do a pretty good job of making it easy. Got it. Awesome. Well, one, glad to hear it. And then so two, the best way to get this done for you, normally companies at this point, they pull in their chief operations officer. So let's get Nick on the next call. Because if we don't get Nick on the next call, you got to play phone tag. You're going to have to convince him. There's all this back and forth versus if we can do this together, it's going to give you the best shot of making this happen for you. When can we get Nick on? Yeah, I like the idea, KD. Question, I usually like to run things by the podcast plebeian on our team. You know, they're the ones who really like, they insert all the subtitles, they get really, really in the weeds, and I want to make sure it works technically for them first. And so would you be opposed to possibly starting with the podcast plebeian before we go into the, the chief operating officer? Let's do both. I think that's a great idea. Let's get Nick scheduled and let's get the plebeian scheduled. I love that as an idea. Hopefully y'all caught that right? Before I'm ever asking for next steps, I need to make sure that you are sold. And the only way I know if you're sold is if you tell me you want it, right? Once you tell me you want it, once you tell me this will solve your problems, now everything I'm doing after is to help you get what you want. Hope y'all caught that, right? Of like, I ask first, do you think this will solve XYZ problem better? Yes. First agreement. Second, why? What stood out to you? Now who's selling who, by the way? Who's selling who right now? I just asked you why you want this. You're selling me now. You are reconfirming. This is where the law of consistency comes in. You're stating why you think this will work for you. And then that's the flip. Well, the best way to make this happen for you, to make this happen for you, is if we can get Nick on the line so we can get them on the same page as us right? So that's the setup. Now, now it's about getting you what you want, not what I want here. Okay. And then you keep going down. I hope y'all caught it where I asked for it. I'm going to come back. said, well, I'd kind of prefer to get these people involved as well. What did I counter with? Let's do both. Let's do both. This is when you start to lead, not can we do both? Not can we, no, you know, I love that. Let's do both. Let's get the call with Nick, led with it, and get the call with the whatever word you were using. Let's, right? And then even then, if you'd push back and said, well, no, I'd really like them 
to do this, then I'm gonna hit you with the big no to little yes. Said, all right, you said no to the big thing. I'm gonna go for a little yes. Well then, all right, then I can just copy Nick on the follow-up email. So at least he kind of knows what's happening. Is his email Nick at superbiz.com? I'm gonna get a yes to that 80, 90% of the time because I got the big no to little yes, non-threatening on the email. Now, who's that email for? It's for Nick. It's not for you. It's for the person I didn't talk to. And what am I going to do in that email? Provide the insights to get the influence. How am I going to do that? By connecting the dots to what? The problem, pain, and impact for the buyer, for Nick, not for the person I spoke to. All works together, y'all. Katie, so you talked about this on a webinar you and I did a while back. The big no, little yes. For the listeners here, can you give context for what that actually is and the psychology behind it? Yeah, so the psychology behind it is... Interestingly enough, most people actually don't like confrontation and they don't like saying no to another person, right? So if you want someone to say yes to something, it's actually easier to get them to say yes if you get them to say no to something bigger first, right? And this, you know, this comes straight from influence from Robert Kialdani, right? Of like, hey, can we put this big old sign in your yard? No. Well, could we just do a little one? Sure. Whereas when they just led with the little one, hardly anyone said yes. But when the opener was like, hey, can we do this big obnoxious thing? Well, absolutely not. Okay, well, could we just do this little one? Yeah, sure. And then they could follow up even further to say, hey, well, so since you allowed us to do this, how would you think about donating? Now I have to remain consistent. I'll let you put the sign in my yard that says, you know, slow down for the school buses. And I come back two weeks later and say, hey, so since you care about school buses, I thought it'd be interesting if you'd be willing to donate. Now I got to remain consistent, right? So big note, a little yes. It's one of the easiest ways to get executive emails, bar none. Ask for something big. Hey, so can we get everyone together on the next call? Is that possible? Oh, God, no. Okay, well, actually, why don't we do this? Why don't we just get it on an email thread? I think Nick should be on it and Sandy should be on it. Is it Sandy at Superbiz and Nick at Superbiz? I'm going to suggest, and you're either going to correct or confirm me at that point. Right. Because hopefully I'm dropping some psych on y'all. OK. Did you catch my layered question? I didn't ask, can I send the email? I said, I will send the email. Is there email Nick at? I'm suggesting the odds that people respond back to that and saying no and no, you can't send it. Also very slim. They will either correct you. No, it's actually Nick.c or they'll confirm. Yeah, that's right. I mean, what you're doing there is because you're making a suggestion, most people follow the path of least resistance. And so because you've offered a path for us to go down, it's easiest for the person just to say, okay, we'll go down that way. And you you already know the emails. And so it's just like, you're literally a button click away from sending the email. And so it's hard for them to reject you. Also, because you set it up with that big no little, yes, one other call out related to that is you make the other person feel empowered and heard when you let them reject you for something else. You're showing that you're not this like bull rushing salesperson who's going to do whatever the heck you want. You had an ask. They said no. You respected that no. And then you moved to something else. And so again, this makes them feel like you're on the same team. You're working together. You respected them when they said no. That's brilliant. And Katie, the other thing that I'll call out is in the initial ask to power, you used a similar nuance where the first thing you did is when you asked for power, you didn't frame it as this big ask. You framed it as, hey, you just sold me on the problems that you have. 
right? Let me help you solve those problems by getting your COO involved. And then you didn't say, could we get them involved? You said, hmm, like, how can we get them involved, right? I think we're going to need that person. How can we get that person involved? And so you're getting them in the solution mindset of trying to solve their own problem with you being the person who can guide them through that. And so let's talk about that meeting with power, okay? And so first question would be, you talked about this transition of asking them about their business when you're at or below the line to telling them about their business when you're above the line. So how does that actually translate into a call structure with power? So very similarly, right? Where we're open up that call, we get the pleasantries out of the way, right? What's in the cup? Where are you from? Right? Mama's basement, all that. We get that out of the way. Okay. And then it starts with a recap. So, Hey, you know, Nick, want to make sure we get the most out of this time. I want to give you a quick recap of what you know, Armand and I had discussed. So I'm going to paint the first picture, right? Of like, so, you know, sounds like reps aren't getting ramped up as fast as you'd like right now. Things are a little bit slower. Sounds like the managers aren't, you know, doing X, Y, Z, right? Does that sound like, did Nick and I do this right? So I'm getting that first agreement. And then I get to go a layer deeper. So now I put in some time to kind of paint a picture here of like, what it could mean if we got, you know, ramped down to two months or blah, 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 to one month or whatever else. But like, what's top of mind for you when it comes to this problem? This is the key. What is top of mind for you when it comes to this ramp time issue? This ramp time issue. What is top of mind for you with this issue? I'm bringing you into the problem to get your thoughts and feedback on it, right? Then, right, once I have that from you, now I've got both. I got the insights from Nick. I've got the influence from Armand. We're saying, okay, we've got this. Like, let me show you how I think we can connect this through for you and what the impact of that could mean for you. I'm going back into this demo, but now I am. This is when it becomes very educational about your business. And like, again, sales reps don't do this, right? They come to that second demo and they just run it the same way they ran the first one. Well, if you run it the same way you ran the first one, why did you run the first one? Like we should have learned so much from that demo, so much from that. If we did our proper ongoing discovery, by the time I get to you, that demo should be custom, custom, right? So we learned in the first call, you're looking to hire three SDRs a month for the rest of the year. Does that sound right? We're accurate there? Okay, cool. Three of nine. So right now it looks like it's a four month ramp time. So let's talk about how we can get that down to three and what that will mean for you. Da, 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 da. I start to go through it. Now, this is what a three month ramp means for you. It's one month and I know you want, and this is where it gets fun. We don't have enough time to go into this. Now I know Nick, you wanted to get down to two. Let me just show you the impact if we get it to three. Let's shit like what three looks like. Shoot, let's look what three and a half looks like. If we can even chop two weeks off by the end of the year, You've actually already gotten ahead of your headcount by two months. So the real question I got to ask you is, do you think this will knock off at least two weeks on your ramp time? All the things I just showed you, like, do you think it'll even get you two weeks back? Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, if it, that, right? I'm like, more often than not, and, you know, we don't have time to get into ROI calculators, but most people do ROI the wrong way. They always try to paint ROI as the best case scenario. I do it the complete opposite. What is the least case scenario that we can agree to? Because if it can get you even two weeks off, does that still make worth it? Yes. 
there's no way we don't get you two weeks off this. This is what we do. Bravado. Right. Now I'm back to that confidence again of like, there's no way, two weeks off. Of course, like, dude, now I can talk about how we knocked it down. So that's how that power one starts to change. I actually want to ask you about that ROI calculator thing because I take a similar approach to you where anytime I'm showing any sort of like ROI data, I want to downplay it. I want to say, hey, you know what? You're buying 50 licenses, but let's see what happens if half the people never log in, they don't use it. My problem, and I ran into this a lot, was buyers have been so scarred by salespeople giving them the roses and butterfly of where like there's a 2 million percent ROI that the second that I even mention ROI and try to pull up any sort of calculator, they're like, we don't buy into that. They don't even want to see it. So are you introducing that in a different way when you're talking about ROA to inoculate against that thing I'm struggling with? Yes. So the first is I'm not showing them anything. I'm not showing them a calculator. I'm asking you, do you think this will knock two weeks off? Because the moment you say yes to that, now if I want to show you something, what am I showing you? What you literally just agreed to. You just agreed it will knock two weeks off. So let's look at what that would mean for you, right? What's their ramped quota? Their ramped quota is 10 and they're getting there in four to five months right now? Yes. Okay, let's bring that down from four to five months to three and a half months. In a lot of ways, you are building with them what you already knew was going to happen. So it makes it feel like it's in real time. It makes it feel like that we're doing, but I, I didn't know how this is going to play out if I did that first call well. So it's not about showing them. I never actually think I use the words ROI ever. Again, those are words that we use. We use ROI as a buyer, as a buyer. I don't think I've ever used the words ROI when determining whether I'm buying something, right? Because what's funny, even for ROI, what everyone forgets, the R is wrong. The R is wrong. It is not return on investments. It's results on investments. If I can show you and agree to the result, it's not about the return, $2 million in pipeline. I don't want 200 million percent increase. I wanted two more meetings per SDR per month by month four. Results on investment is what I'm working to show them. But again, to your point, Nick, I'm downplaying it, right? So Katie, one last nuance that I want to go back to that you mentioned in this entire riff was the concept of starting from zero when you've run a multi-week, multi-month sales cycle is so many reps, they get to power. And you've run a 30 to 60 minute discovery call. Maybe you've done it a couple times. You've also probably run one, two, sometimes three demos in extremely technical products. And then what they try to do is they piss off their champion because they get to power. The champion opens the door and all they do is they want to run another 60 minute discovery call. And the champion's like, you started from zero. And so at best, oftentimes you're going to get 30 minutes with this executive right? You might get 30 minutes with this COO. And so can you talk about to what extent is that upfront recap and discovery portion compressed? If I were sort of doing some mental math around how much time I spend in a normal champion discovery versus in that executive discovery portion, how much shorter and compressed direct to the point is that portion? 
it's much shorter, much more compressed. Because also, if you're doing champion selling well, you and your champion should have already game planned this call. If they won't game plan with you, they are not your champion. You don't have them as a champion. Hey, Nick, we got to get ready for this call with Armand. Here's what I'm mapping out. Here's what I'm mapping out. Like, what do you think will resonate with them, right? Like, these are a lot of the questions that we didn't get into today, of like how I wrap up that call, right? So we go back to getting to power. Once I get agreement to it, what do you think the next thing I'm asking? So what does Nick care about? Are they more of like a technical? Do they want more testimonials? Like, would it be important if I brought in like a, a case study or a customer call? Like, what will resonate with them? You work with your champion. Like people out there label people as champions so they don't use them. So it should be condensed, but it should not be winging it, right? You and I should have already planned for this call. And if they are not willing to help you with that call, you don't have a champion. You got to step back. Say, well, hold on. Like if I ask Nick, like, hey, so Nick, like we got this call on Friday. Can I get like 15 minutes with you on Thursday? Make sure we're not wasting their time that I don't make you look stupid, right? Like can we get that time? Nope. Nope. You cannot. You cannot have that time. Hold, hold on, hold on, Nick. The only reason I'm asking for this time is to help you get what you want because we got to get them on the same page. Is this no longer something that you want? Because if you don't want it, your boss sure as hell isn't going to want it. So where are we at right now? I'm going to pull back because you, you only get one call with power. You are only going to get that one. And if it does not go well, that was your shot. You need to treat it like you're only going to get that one call and you got to work with it. And if Nick's not in a good spot, what? No, Katie, it's just bad timing right now. Me and my org, we're so underwater. Da, 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 da. What I'm about to do, connect the dots. Nick, that's exactly why we need to talk. You're underwater because your reps aren't ramping fast enough. You're underwater because your managers don't have the tools in place to be able to train them at scale. That's why we're having this conversation. Connect the dots back. We are always looking for reasons to bring it back. Is there ever a scenario where because of the resistance from your champion to help you prepare for that exact call and they give you that we're so underwater that you cancel the exact call or say, hey, we should actually push this out to another quarter? Because I see two sides to it. One is like, I never want to give up a deal. And I feel like if they had agreed before, I'm like, part of me wants to dig my hooks in and really try to sell this thing. I've got a quota to hit. The other is like, it doesn't seem winnable. Maybe I have a better chance of winning it down the line, but then I've also heard time kills all deals. So like, what's your advice in that scenario? Bad selling kills all deals. Let's be very clear. Bad selling kills all deals, right? I'll take a 90 day yes over a 60 day no. I'll take a six month yes over a four month no, right? It's bad selling. So that is where us as the salespeople, we need to really read the situation to understand it. Now, again, we're skipping some parts there. If you did disco right, and you did that first demo right, and you did the proposal right, and you got buy-in and you got agreement, and now all of a sudden your champion's fallen back, to me, that means we missed something, right? Bad selling has occurred. We don't have a champion anymore and we have to go back to it and through it, right? So that's the one part is make sure we're doing all the steps. We get to that point and there is that pushback and they're like, yo, like, no, no, no. Like, you gotta remember y'all. What do you think the odds are? Hey, Nick, preparing for this call on Friday. I really want a game plan with you. 15 minutes, just make sure on the same page, it looks good. We don't piss off your boss. And they go, no, it's up to you. <laughs> like the odds of that are so slim. And if they do, to me, that deal is dead in the water. Because your champion is quite literally working against you at that point. So 
80-20, y'all. Are there the 20% where this person, whatever? Of course. But 80% of the time you do it right, they are your champion, right? And so then the question behind that question may even be like, well, when do you go around them? I'm going to do everything I can to never go around them. And notice if y'all play back this episode, I already got permission to email the COO from our very first call. So it's no longer going around you. I already have that line of communication established and you gave it to me. It's not even me going around you. You told me I could email them. So that's kind of some of that question behind the question. But yes, if your champion falls off, you really have to ask yourself, am I willing to risk killing this deal? Or is it better to take that moment, reset, and see if I can get a longer term yes? Because if you're one of my managers and you bring this to me, and then you're like, actually, no, this isn't that important right now. I'm not taking that call again next quarter. Like you told me it wasn't that important. So that's my answer to that. Phenomenal. KD? We're running out of time and we got to move ourselves to the last question. And the last question is this. We've talked about a lot of really great things salespeople should be doing. Now I got to ask you about a shouldn't. And so the last question is, what is one bad habit you see a lot of salespeople exhibiting that you think they need to stop doing because it hurts them more than it helps? Hmm. I'm going to go a different route with this one. It's the self-care. I don't think enough salespeople do a good job of taking care of themselves managing their sleep, managing their energy, managing their joy. At the end of the day, y'all, one of the things that we have to remember is it's all about who we're being, not what we're doing. If you could be more confident, your sales would be better. If you could be happier, your sales would be better. If you could be more disciplined, your sales would be better. If you could be more creative, your sales would be better. This whole episode has been about the how, taking care of the being, That is right. The being of the salesperson is what will allow this how to occur better. So that would actually be my the thing that I don't think salespeople do well enough is take care of the being that is the salesperson, right? That person and salesperson. That would be my my number one. Katie, thank you for joining us. Phenomenal episode. Everybody stick around for a 60 second recap coming up next. Otter AI's Otter Pilot for Sales gives you the freedom to sell on your discovery calls by taking notes for you. One of the best ways to deepen your discovery is to ask your prospect about the impetus behind their goals. So when a prospect tells me they want to advertise on more sales podcasts, I'll say, well, it's not every day that you wake up and decide you want to sponsor a podcast. What's causing you to even explore this in the first place? Now, we put together the ultimate discovery checklist with our friends at Otter AI, which you can get for free at the link in the show notes. Here's my secret to being a sales superhuman. It's auto reminders for everything. If I expect any reply from a prospect, I press command H and superhuman pops it right back into my inbox if I don't get a reply in two days. That means if you handle an objection, if you suggest times for a meeting, or if you ask for cuts back on red lines, always create a two-day reminder task and assume they will not reply. So if you want to follow up on time every time, you can get a free month of superhuman by checking it out in the show notes. Your Zoom Info actionable insight tactic is called Jane's Moving Up. Why? Because that's the email subject line you'll use when you get a real-time notice that your prospect Jane just got promoted. From there in the email, explain how Zoom Info helps rising sales leaders win their first 90 days on the job by highlighting coaching opportunities or supporting a team-wide prospecting push. And you can try out this trigger-based email template for prospect promotion and four other scenarios inspired by Zoom Info's go-to-market plays. Link in the show notes. Your top four takeaways from this episode with KD include number one, after the demo, 
try to get a sense of what they liked about what they saw, and then use that to justify the ask to power so that they can get what they want. Number two, if you're suggested to multi-thread to someone below the line, don't just say no, use yes and, and try to get both the below the line and the above the line person involved. And then once you ask for the above the line person, be assumptive in your ask. You can say, is there email Nick at, instead of asking, hey, could we get Nick involved? Number three, when you get to power, recap the key problems that you found first, but then open it up to them and say, wait, what's actually important to you? And then lastly, number four, start with the worst case scenario of the results you could drive and get agreement on that being a good outcome first. And then over deliver above that low expectation that would still be a good outcome. In other words, you can anchor them at two weeks of savings and then deliver at four. All righty, Nick, how can people help us out here? Two quotes that I've been living by recently. One, focus on the inputs, not the outputs. And a similar quote is, your outcomes are a lagging measure of your habits. And what this means is instead of focusing on, oh, I want to make X amount of dollars this year, or I want to make it to President's Club, or I want to break my quota, you should be focusing on the things, the daily habits and routines that will get you to those places. And sometimes it can be hard to figure out what you should be doing because there are so many things that command your attention as a salesperson. And that's where Katie came to help us, where he put together this did I manifesto that Armand was talking about earlier that is literally a checklist that you can use. And if you follow everything in that checklist on a daily basis, I promise you, you will not lose. So go steal that thing. It's free. Go support it. Go check out Katie's course. And we'll see you next week on 30 Minutes to President's Club. This week's actionable prospecting tactic is from Sixth Sense, who shows you the prospects who are most likely to buy so you can get more meetings with fewer activities. Personalizing cold emails requires you to only change the first paragraph in a trigger template. All you have to do is tie the research to the problem you solve in paragraph one, and then switch that out while you leave paragraphs two and three, your solution and call to action, exactly the same. And so we are giving you six of these trigger templates with our partners at Sixth Sense. The link is in the show notes. Today's show is brought to you by Exactly Forecasting, which is a flexible sales forecasting solution that uses AI and data to help you call an accurate sales forecast. Gartner says over half of sales leaders don't have high confidence in their forecast. One way we recommend to improve your forecast is to align as a team on explicit attributes that must be true in order to deem a deal forecastable. That way your forecast will get clearer and the team will know where to focus efforts. We put together a forecasting 101 guide with our friends at Exactly. Get it for free in the show notes.